Hello, everyone. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. Today, once again, we're in the meditations. We're looking at book nine, number 13. So this is a short entry, but I think it's really powerful, and it might even give us a practice that is, you know, potentially very helpful. So here we go. He tells himself, today I escaped from anxiety, or no, I discarded it because it was within me, in my own perceptions, not outside. So I think this is really an interesting kind of like definition of anxiety in a way, right? So I've heard anxiety and I've read about anxiety being defined as, you know, you perceiving the future in a negative way. And not only that, but ultimately you don't think you can thrive in that future, right? So I think it often also connects not only to an image of like events or this imagination of how events will go, but also an imagination of the self not being able to handle that well, right? So the Stoics are big, as we said, on thinking about the future in a certain kind of way, right? So we discussed the premeditatio malorum, the idea that they wanted you to see potential futures, right? So, and memento mori too, right? So obviously you're thinking you're alive, imagine or think about the future inevitability of your own death, right? Think about these potential horrible things that even if they're not probable, they're possible. They weren't consideration. They weren't thought for a few reasons, right? And I think we, we elaborate on that. But one, I think, is that, you know, similar to visualizing, let's say, as a wrestler or an athlete, right? Maybe it makes sense to see yourself in different situations so you're more prepared to deal with them, right? If something goes wrong, you're more likely to be able to deal with it if you thought about it beforehand. And then also beforehand, you thought about potential solutions, right? And the overall solution for the Stoic or the overall, let's say, theme of how we make solutions is that wherever there's life, and this is a quote from Marcus too, wherever there's life, a good life is possible, right? Which is to say for the Stoic that, you know, it doesn't mean anything about material wealth or anything like that in terms of the good life. We might conceive of it in that way more so now, but it meant your personal virtue, right? So the, the premeditation malorum sort of also connected to this idea that the world can throw whatever at me and I'll still try to, you know, my best with my intentions and what I can control to be just, to be courageous, to be disciplined, right? And to be honest. So ultimately that idea of goodness plays a role in everything, right? That, that, that conception of the, of the four virtues plays, you know, a fundamental role in understanding all this stuff, right? So premeditation malorum too is like, all right, well, even if I got fired from my job, I wouldn't then go home and treat my family members horribly, right? And then of course, when we call that to mind, right? If I lost this job, it might encourage us to appreciate the job more. And then we're living in gratitude. And then that leads to other good things like happiness being one of them for Epictetus, uh, for example, right? So when we do the premeditation malorum, there's a lot going on there that could be very healthy for us. It prepares us for life. It gets us on the right path through that preparation. Because again, it leads us back to the virtues, which for them is what a good life is, right? And also I think will lead us back to service and a sense of obligation to others and to ourselves. That when we say, look, no matter if, if, I, if during this presentation, no matter what, right? If the projector breaks or the PowerPoint doesn't work, my intentions are to offer something valuable to these people. And that intention will drive me. That, 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 that sense of commitment to that obligation will prevent me from just quitting and giving up. I'm going to push through 
So we have both this like real practical, I think, application of this. And then we also have the more philosophical application, which is also really useful. Right. Um, it's kind of like the phrase, you know, the cliche phrase, whatever happens, happens, but we can't just leave it there, right? Whatever happens, happens, and I will be a good person no matter what. It's sort of what the Stoics want from us, right? And which is to say, I will strive for these things continuously, regardless of what the world throws at me. I don't have, I don't have to necessarily mimic the world. That's a powerful idea just in and of itself, right? So when he's fighting with anxiety here, or saying kind of like he won that day. And I also love how he says today, right? Because that's honest. We're all anxious. And I've said this already, but we're going to talk about anxiety on the podcast too, because it's something we all deal with. And it's becoming more and more popular um, now, right? But again, thousands of years ago, he's like, today I escaped from anxiety. And he corrects himself, right? To say I discarded it because it's within him. Well, it's within all of us. So I love how he says this. We, we never escape it. We get rid of it because it's just a part. It's literally a part of being a person. Dogs don't deal with this. Bears don't deal with this. They lack the imagination. As humans, we are blessed and cursed with the ability to at least have a pretty clear image of what tomorrow might be. Even Memento Mori asks you to like check that, right? Memento Mori is a great antidote to anxiety. And it's a kind of a, maybe a weird way of getting there, right? It's a little bit odd for some of us maybe, but that works for me, right? Tomorrow is an if. So let's not treat because anxiety too, right? When it gets bad, right? I think is when you're taking what's possible, you're making it seem probable, and then you're acting and you're feeling like it already happened sometimes, right? So we give, there's two ways of seeing this. There's two different spellings here. There's ascent and ascent. So it's, I think, right? It's A-S-S and A-S-C or A-C-S. Either way, they're, they're, they're similar in the idea, right? So one is like a physical ascent, it goes up. And then the other one is a philosophical ascent, which is really big for the Stoics, right? So that means you take an idea and you sort of like accept it as true. So a little bit of a rough definition. It's early still, sorry. But it's like you take an idea and you accept it as true. Now, we want to make sure we don't do that with bullshit. The word for bullshit is doxa. Doxa roughly means a couple things, right? I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting here again for the sake of the conversation. It can mean a widely held belief, but I think there's something else to add to that where it's like a widely held belief that you just kind of accept without examining or looking at it closely. And I think within that, and then slightly a little bit as its own concept too, doxa means a poorly supported belief. Doxa sort of starts to get us thinking about a falsehood or a lie even. So if you, if you get in the practice of giving assent to doxa, accepting poorly supported ideas and accepting them as true and perceiving them as true, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. That's where philosophy comes in to help us, right? Because it asks us to ask questions of the world. It asks us to read and learn and interact with others such that we're always learning and challenging, right? Respectfully for most of the time, right? That challenge within ourselves too in our inner dialogue will prevent us from being as anxious because anxiety is giving assent and assent to doxa because one tomorrow right off the bat is not even promised. So you're, you're when you're anxious, you're living right now in the moment, you're ruining your current state, thinking about a tomorrow that might not even come. And one of, I think maybe, the and I've worked with thousands of students, right? The favorite quote I think that comes up the most when I, when I ask students, well, what do we get out of this chapter 
Um, it's a chapter on coping in the, in the book I make for the class, right? From Seneca, another Stoic, we suffer more often in imagination than in reality. That's, and I think by often, I mean in frequency, but also we say intensity. So let's even get that word out. We suffer more in imagination than in reality. I think that's the actual quote anyway. I added the word often for some reason. We suffer, one more time, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. That's because we give assent to doxa. And again, one of the best ways, and I'm, I'm really talking about calling yourself out on your own bullshit in a very overly sophisticated way right now. It's hard to do that. Self-writing helps. Having a good friend who can hear you and listen to you and reply helps. But we have to work through these thoughts. We have to sit with them. And like, like we had a couple episodes ago, maybe even the last one, we have to get good at the winnowing, the separating and the guiding. So again, the, the meditation on death helps because you're worried about a tomorrow that might not even come. And that's a powerful reminder. Like, what am I worried about? And when we pair it with the idea that we suffer more in imagination than in reality, we realize that even when we're, um, when we're in the worry, when we're actively worrying, we can remind ourselves, like Seneca saying, like, I'm imagining all this and I'm making myself suffer now. Then the premeditation malorum is like a practical way to deal with that. It's like, well, let's not spend all day doing this, but let's say, okay, if this happens, if X happens that I'm worried about, well, I'll just respond in this way. Then we have to get good at changing the channel and moving on. Right, because there's a way to stop anxiety when it arises in us, such that it doesn't get too intense, or such that we don't spend all day anxious, or you know, all afternoon anxious. And that might be, I think, at least initially, the wins and the victories we want to get. Right, because as he's saying here, it's within me. It's it's to an extent, it's it's unavoidable. We're all going to feel anxious from time to time. Right, but when we work on our perceptions, he's saying in my own perceptions, that's what I was trying to get at with the idea of giving assent to doxa. That's your perception. You're perceiving this thing. Instead of saying and looking for the evidence, instead of saying to yourself, oh, this isn't well supported because tomorrow isn't promised and or like this thing in and of itself that I'm worried about hasn't happened in the past or it hasn't happened frequently in the past or these are new and different circumstances or powerfully so, I'm a new person. I can deal with this differently if it does happen. This doesn't have to scare me. This doesn't have to be so negative for me. Right, again, my, my questions for anxiety are, is it true? And pretty much always it's not, right? There might be some truthfulness to it, but once again, you're worried about a tomorrow that's not even here yet. It's not true. Then, okay, maybe it's not true, but is it helpful? And sometimes it is, right? Again, the School of Life does a great job on this. On their, in, in their essay on anxiety, right? We are the descendants of people who were anxious because they had to be anxious to live. They had to think, oh, are we ready for tomorrow, right? And that's kept people alive forever. To a large extent, that keeps us you know, alive and it also keeps us thriving a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear for the future based on a negative understanding of what could happen, right? So there's a big difference between having an anxious moment or being anxious occasionally and then, you know, being an anxious person who's tormented by anxiety or, and or someone who is constantly in a state of becoming anxious, that's where we might want to work to control our perceptions more effectively. And again, Marcus dealt with it too, right? He's kind of like, I like this too, he's congratulating himself. Do that. When you beat your anxiety, right? Or you, let's see, I don't like that word. That's even too aggressive, right? Because again, it's within us. So it's that's not the word I wanted to use there. Let's say... When you learn to live with anxiety, 
more effectively. Maybe you implement the questioning method I just suggested. Maybe you implement the self-writing. Maybe you have, quote, as the Stoics would say, ready at hand, some memento mori stuff, some other mantras that you then work to kind of meet your anxiety, right? Your anxiety is going to be at the party. That's going to happen, right? If the party is your life today, it's going to happen, right? Maybe you do the Marcus Aurelius morning meditation where you tell yourself, you know what? Today, I'm probably going to be a little bit anxious about X, Y, or Z. All right. Well, when it comes, and it will probably, I'm going to just be calm about it. You plan a little bit. All these, are, all these things are different strategies to winnow our thoughts and to work on our perceptions. So I hope this is helpful. I feel like I was talking kind of fast because I like this quote a lot. So I apologize if I spoke too fast today. Um, but it's what it is. So thank you for listening. Hope this is helpful. Take care.